Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. All right, well, you notice we uh, have begun with our Christmas decor, and... uh... We're going to have more. You'll see it or more show up next week in the foyer and in here. And uh, I love it. I'm a Christmas guy. Always have been. Always will be. I indulge in Christmas. I love the holidays. My dad was like that. I guess I got it from him. That's a great thing, right, to be passed on. We did lots of fun traditions with our girls, and and uh, so we 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 continue those. Well, we're continuing our our series on Why My Money Matters to God, uh, Shoestring. And today, we're looking at the future. Got to do that. Um, It's part of our growth. It's part of vision for our lives, preparation for the future, which requires faith. And when you look to your future, you can't divorce money from it. And let me just say something here. I've done a lot of messages on generosity when it comes to not just money, but our time and our talent and everything else, our abilities and how our whole life should bleed generosity. But this series, we're just directly more or less focusing on the money aspect of it. We haven't really done that in a long time. It's probably important to do that because money affects every area of your life. You just can't get away from it. I mean, you spend it, you worry about it, you save it, you invest it, you budget it, you work for it, and hopefully you inherit it, and you give it, and you steward it, and you fret over it, and you need it to survive. You just can't get away from it, right? And therefore, God will use money to leverage a lot of things in our life, including our growth, probably the most. But we are born in this world basically as takers, as consumers. That's kind of how it is. Babies come into the world, and they're grasping, right? And our life continues to take that on until finally God does something in us. He does a work in our hearts, and we become born-again givers, contributors. And as he continues that work in our heart, we come to the place where we actually want to give, and we enjoy giving, and we experience the joyfulness of giving because of something he does in our hearts as he renews our mind over time. It's part of what the gospel does. He transforms us from the inside out. Now, preparation is paramount when you're looking at your future. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, correct? So if I'm not ready, I won't be ready for what I don't prepare for. So you kind of have to have a sense of preparation and be wise concerning your future. But the question is, does God absolutely care about your future and want you to plan for the future? Well, of course he does. Of course he does. He Planning for the future is a godly thing to do. It really is. We need to have faith for the future. Is God, again, concerned about your future? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a great passage. That's just one little one concerning your future that God has for you. So the Bible says there's a lot of good that God has in store for us in our days ahead when we serve him and live for him and follow him into our tomorrow. The only thing that's wrong with planning for your future is if you plan with fear and not faith. That's a big deal. Big deal. A lot of people are planning with fear. That's the only thing that can go wrong. God wants us to have faith for our future, and the only way you can have faith for your future is hearing and obeying the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. Super important. So if we make plans apart for our future apart from the Word of God, 
you're going to be sowing and basing your life on fear. It's not going to work for you. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. You know that phrase, no fear. I think one of our younger youth generations came up with that phrase a long time ago or something. You know, you see this no fear, but actually I think it was Jesus who came up with that. Uh, every time he'd show up to his disciples, a lot of times, or even in the Old Testament, Jesus would say, fear not, right? Have no fear, for I am here. And that's kind of, you know, he was there to save the day, and he did. Now, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a great passage. And we're going to talk about faith for our future when it comes to sowing and reaping. And this is, this is huge. Uh, this is all through the Bible. I'm just going to hit the tip of the iceberg. But here Paul's addressing the Corinthian church concerning the offering that they're going to receive for Jerusalem believers that were in sheer poverty, dire straits, hurting all over the place. And he talks to them about the Macedonians. They gave a generous offering. They gave out of their poverty. They were hilarious givers, the Bible says. And Paul uses them as an example. We won't get into that. But then he's challenging the Corinthians to do the same thing. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 through 8, let's read through that. It says, so I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be as that, then it will it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly giving. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm going to read that last verse because we're going to start at the end of this passage and then go back to the top. But i got to say that again. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, this verse right here, this last one, has profound truths to it. Profound. If you get this verse down inside you, it'll change the way you give. It could change your marriage. It could change your future. It can change your health. It could change family. It changes all kinds of stuff. Because it begins with this. God is able. He's able. God is able. Do we really believe that God is able? That's the question. Because if we did, we'd sow bountifully. But the reason we sow sparingly is because we're not quite sure God is able. Paul is prodding the Corinthian believers that God is able to bless you abundantly as you bless. He'll bless through you, and he'll bless you in the process. Now, back when we were in California for six years, I think Lori shared this in a smaller gathering, but um, <clears throat> she was at IHOP restaurant. Remember, you're sitting there, and there's a little distance away, a, a table with gangbangers. Real obvious they were gangbangers. And she's having some real negative thoughts. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, and you're living in that, you're going, these dirt bags with these guys, you know. And, and, but you notice, whenever you're in that situation, God will challenge you to do the opposite. Like, if you're offended, he says, forgive. If they curse you, he says, bless them. I mean, he always, he's always trying to get you to do things the way he would do it. And so she's having these negative thoughts in her heart, and God says, spoke to her and said, I want you to pay for their food. Do it in the opposite spirit, right? And you're, you, you need to bless them. Now, whether it helps them or not, I don't know. But God's doing something in her heart. How many know he's always dealing with us first? 
And uh, boy, she's really struggling at this point because let me tell you, we were living from paycheck to paycheck. It was tight. We were trying to pay bills and try to get by. We're faithful to tithes offerings. We have missions giving, and then we live on fumes. And uh, and but she could, you know, and God, she's really good at obeying Jesus. You know, <laughs> she's uh, and so she anyway she she paid for their meals. Anyway, she told me about it later, and I wasn't really jumping up and down with all kinds of excitement going, oh, you go, girl, woman of faith. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We're trying to pay bills. I was irritated. I'm like, Mike, what are you doing to me, man? Come on. And uh, gangbangers, really, of all people? I mean, but what's interesting is that same week, we're walking out of the grocery store, heading towards our car, and we look down, and there's a $100 bill on the ground, which more than covered their meal and blessed us what was God doing? He was saying, I'm able. I'm able. God is able. I will bless you. I will bless through you. And when I bless through you, I will bless you. And he proved it right there. We were both kind of like pretty excited at that point. Like, okay, God, you just gave us a lesson this week. First of all, we got to keep our hearts right towards everybody because you are able to do whatever you need to do. And so this was a little lesson. Um, God has the ability to bless us and through us. We don't often believe that God has the ability to bless others through us and then bless us in return. I think that's what God would be saying. He would say they don't believe that I have the ability to bless them. Why is that? Well, can it be because maybe our faith is our faith is limited by our own resources? That's probably we, we don't understand that God has unlimited resources and can bless us in limited less ways. We really limit God by our job and by our own salary. You ever have those arguments? Well, I'm a fixed income, right? Or I have a fixed salary. I only have so much. I can only do this much because here's my ceiling. And God says, I don't base anything I do off of what you have. He bases everything off of what his ability is and what he has. But we are trying to bless and limit God through our own resources. But God says, but I'm able. That's the truth. God can bless you apart from your job uh, he, can, he, he is not limited by your job or by what you have. He's not limited by your resources. He's not limited by your bank account. He's not limited by your uh, stock markets or whatever's going on. He has unlimited resources. And God says, I'm able to bless. He's able. You believe that this morning? Now, God is able to bless you abundantly, that word that Scripture says. Abundantly means to abound or more than enough. Other translation says God is able to make all grace abound towards you. This is powerful. Why? So that in all things, not in most things or some things or when the economy is doing really good or when the stock market's up, he says, no, I'm not dependent on any of that stuff. God's economy is always up. Isn't that great? He's never down. He's never limited. His hands are never tied. He, is, he says he has a sufficiency in all things, so that in all things at all times you will have all that you need. That's three times all is used there, three times. Now, what's really cool is the Greek word for all, you're going to love this. It actually means all. Isn't that amazing? It means more than enough if you read it out throughout the Greek. So God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, all times, you have all that you need. I'll just keep saying that for a minute. So that you can abound in what? Every good work. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. Not some good work. Every good work. These are really strong words. They have 
they, they have no limit to them. And you're not going to give out of your sufficiency. He says, no, you're going to give out of your abundance. Ah, interesting. How does that work? Well, we'll find out. So I'll say it again. God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you abound in every good work. You got to get that down inside you. That's one good one to memorize. Get it in you so it begins to come out. We're talking about this, this morning specifically sowing and reaping. Very simple principle. It's all throughout the scripture. I'm just going to hit on a little section of it. But I, uh, a lot of people have misapplied this. They've misunderstood it. But it's really actually a very simple principle to grasp. I like simple. I tend to think I'm a common sense guy. I really enjoy common sense. That's kind of where I like to live. If you want to tell me how to do something, I really appreciate it when you give me really simple steps to follow. And if I can do that, then I'll get it done. You're probably, a lot of you are about the same way. You like things just simple, okay? So this is what the Bible's going to do for us this morning. Verse 6 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Pretty simple, right? You know, in the Gospels, in Matthew 7 and Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He's talking about the same thing. Sparingly, sparingly. Generously, generously. Measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. In other words, God, give God the measure to bless you. I'll say it another way. You give God the amount to bless you with. In other words, if you give God a teaspoon, then he'll give you a teaspoon back. So, okay, God, here's a tablespoon. God says, I got a tablespoon. Same measure, he says, reaping and sowing. You got a shovel? God's got a shovel. You got a snow shovel? <laughs> you don't want to talk about that one, but God has a snow shovel. And if you got a pickup, God's got a pickup too. And you got a dump truck? Boy, he's got one of those. We're speaking, speaking of a shovel, do you ever notice when you put a shovel in the ground, you got to kind of push to get that thing in there? And then when you want to get that dirt scooped up, you got to pull that shovel back and the whole ground kind of does this, right? Until you kind of get that out. It's kind of like giving. When God challenges us to go deep, deeper in our giving, it's like you got to push a little harder. You got to pull. And there's a little resistance, and there's some roots, and your whole life kind of goes, boy, okay, that was tough, God. I don't know, man. Lord, I really took a lot to do that. Yeah, I know. God's like, I know. You're stretching. And so that's kind of how it is. But he says the measure you use in other words, in the direct proportion to the amount that you give, the direct proportion to the amount is what you're going to receive back. I like simple. I like sowing. I like reaping. Same thing if you sow a sack of seeds. Well, you got hundreds of seeds, hundreds of seeds back. You, you sow a hundred sack of seeds, then the crop that you will see is evidence of what you've sown. It's like, Wow. It's the law of nature. It's something God set up. You can't break it. It's just how it works. God made it that way. And it's that way in all of nature. You sow a hundred sack, you get large. So large harvest, but if you sow sparingly, well, you don't get as much back. But if you sow generously, more. I, I, I'm, are you getting this? Because this is important. Now, in verse 8, um, there are two words that really stand out. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly 
So in all things, all times, you have all you need, and you will abound. Abundantly and abound. Those are great words. I mean, like those words. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. So first of all, we struggle with, well, will God meet my needs? We've already moved beyond that. He's talking about abundance now. But we still have to cross that first threshold. Will I have sufficient amount? Well, what am I putting away for retirement? Is that going to be sufficient, right? If what I have in my bank account right now, is that going to be sufficient? If what I'm making right now, if I give God money, if I give to the church or whatever, is, is there going to be sufficient for tomorrow what I need to do enough to make it? That's the sufficiency. And God says, I've already covered that. The lilies of the field, I clothe the fields, the birds have food to eat. Jesus says, your basic needs, I got that. But now he's saying, but I want to move you beyond that. That's the, other, that's the other test. The other test is abundance. And this is where you, you, you mature into this place. It's the test of abundance. Now, there's two temptations you'll find every, throughout life, need and greed. You always come up against those. Will God meet my needs? Oh, test. And... If we get a whole bunch, does greed set in? Extra money. You know what normally what happens when we get a little extra? You we all have to deal with this. Is now you're you're probably in this category. Normally we don't save it. Now, a lot of people, hey, we got some extra, let's save it. <laughs> no, we worked hard for this. Let's go out and have some fun, right? Let's spend it. <laughs> we normally don't, so we normally don't save it. We normally don't give it away. We normally spend it. That's kind of how we justify, justify. I, you know, I can finally buy something I've been needing, like that new set of golf clubs or that gun. You know how we put things in the need category that don't really belong there? <laughs> All of a sudden, this is a need. How did that happen? Well, I got a little extra money. That's how it happened. Well, okay. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. This is an interesting verse, 6 through 9. He's talking about two things that he doesn't want to be tempted with in life. He says, I ask the Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Here's the first one. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Here's the next one. Give me neither poverty nor riches. In other words, need or greed. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may be poor and steal and so dishonor your name, the name of my God. That's need and greed. He says, I, I don't want that. Two temptations. More than enough, I might get greedy. Not enough, I might need and fall into those two things and profane your name and steal. This is all a test. Now, verse 8 says that God will give you all you need. Not only all you need, but he'll give you an abundance as well. So you can abound. He'll give you an abundance. Why? For every good work. Now, you know he's, we know he's going to meet our needs, but he'll also meet your desires. Part of this good work is the desires you have, but it's also the outflow of your life to what God is calling you to sow into. First week, I talked about do not serve the spirit of mammon. You'll have to choose. Either serve God or mammon. Mammon was riches or money. Remember that? Okay. Um, so here's the bottom line. Um, the good work is pressing into God, serving God, the greater work. Every good work, it's the outflow of your life. Now, I said that first week also, you don't give to get. 
I understand that when you grow in generosity, your standard of giving increases, but so does your standard of living. That's just a byproduct of what God does. He, he'll just bless you. He's a good father. But that's not our goal. Our goal is so we grow in the grace and there's a greater good work and outflow of our life. And that's the fun and joyful part of it. If you just give to get and all you got is get, then we just grow selfish and unhappy because those things don't satisfy us anyway. It's about what God does through us. That's where the real joy is. Now, every year during missions conference, you know, Lori and I, we talk about that. We give, a, we give tithes, offerings, and all that. But every year during missions, we always, we take it pretty seriously. We think, okay, Lord, we try to increase our giving upon every year with our missionaries beyond what we gave the last year. So it's faith. And yet we know even throughout the year, there's going to be more needs that are going to come up in the church or uh, missionaries are going to have a certain project. And and we're going to see what we can do there as well. So we just keep, but I think what we've decided in our own hearts is if we're going to make a mistake <laughs> on giving, we're going to make it on the generous side because we've discovered that it's really exciting and it's an adventure and God, he just keeps responding and does stuff and provides and gives us greater ability and capacity. And it's really a, a, an incredible thing. Uh, so when you're talking about needs, you see this all through the Bible, God meeting needs in, great, in wonderful, glorious ways. Uh, for instance, quick example, 1 Kings chapter 17, story about Elijah. Uh, going to be drought in the land. God sends him to the brook. He's going to stay there and camp out, drink water from the brook. And God sends birds to deliver to him morning and night bread and meat. Isn't that interesting? These ravens are flying in. Oh, dropping it off big steak. Plop. Elijah's going, dang, I like this. This is good. I'm living it, man. And this went on morning and night. They didn't take bread out of a garbage can somewhere. I mean, they were getting, he was getting meat. He was eating like a king. Well, the, uh, in other words, there's, <laughs> God can use birds to bring you stuff. Think about that. There's hundreds of ways that God can provide your needs, in other words. Well, he's drinking from the brook. The drought dries the brook up eventually. So he ends up being sent to this widow's house. And she's got enough for one meal. She tells Elijah, me and my son are going to eat this and die. He says, well, go ahead and make it. You'll be all right. So they do. And he stays there several months and they eat really well because the flour doesn't dry, you know, get used up or the oil, it just continues to flow. Pretty powerful. And then after that, in 1 Kings 19, he, he's laying and sleeping under a broom tree. Now, in the Hebrew, this is the, the tree where they used to make brooms from. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just seeing if you're paying attention, all right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, right, they make brooms from the broom tree. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. What's interesting here is an angel touches him and says, arise and eat. And he looks up and by his head is a cake. A cake! This is the first angel food cake. Powerful, right? Yeah. Man, I'm on a roll. And an angel brings him, so God has an angel bring him something so he can eat and drink, and then he lay down again because God meets your needs. So we don't need to worry about that, and Jesus emphasized that in the Gospels. 
But what about our desires that you have? We all have desires. The good news is it's okay to have desires. It's not unscriptural to have desires. It's not unscriptural, I guess what I'm saying, is to look to your future with great hope and expectancy and things you want to do and would like to do for you and your kids. It's okay. It's okay for a woman to have a desire to have a nice home. Do you know why? Because God created that woman and put that desire in her. He knows it's there. It's godly. It's not ungodly. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not impure. It's okay for a man to have a desire to have a good job and to provide for his family. Why? Because God created man, put that desire in his heart. It's a good thing. It's a good desire. He knows you have that desire because he put it there. And he knows you have a desire to bless your children. Why? Because Father God's a good God and he wants to bless his children. He put that desire in our heart. And he says, it's okay to want to help your kids and get them through college and trade school and want to see them move into their future. It's okay to do that. That's part of God in you. All right, so it's not ha- good desi- desires are not evil. You can, you can possess things as long as those things don't possess you, right? When they start to possess you, boy, you better make a switch or do something. Run to Jesus because we're supposed to live with open hands and with a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude so that those things that you are possessing, God can bless with those through you. And you can enjoy them more that way, believe me. So that's, that's the fine line. Um, God not only cares about meeting your needs, but he cares about your desires too. He's a good father. So he said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I think most of us are doing a good job in delighting ourselves in the Lord. So desires that we have, that God wants to bless us, that's a good thing. He wants to care for your needs, and what matters to you matters to him, and he wants to take care of your desires as well, and he'll take care of your wants. Sometimes he'll take care of the golf clubs, and sometimes he won't, but you know, those wants are okay to have, and he'll provide future. Now, most of us know that God wants to take care of our needs, but Look, we're not, I don't think any of us are lying in bed at night wondering if we're going to eat tomorrow or we're going to starve. None of us are at that place. We're in America. Um, But what we have a problem trusting God with, I think, is our desires and the greater work. That's the challenge. Lord, if I give money to this, will my kids, will I have enough for my kids to to provide what I want to do with them? And Lord, if I give then will I have enough to finally buy that house when we move one day? Or, Lord, these are good. These are nothing wrong with these desires. But this is the challenge. Lord, what if the economy goes down? If I give, and will I still be okay? What if, what if? You know who's asking that question, what if? The enemy is. What if, what if, what if, what if? Why? Because it's based on fear. It's based on fear of the future. It's based on what we talked about in the first week, serving mammon the riches, the money. Oh, I've got to bow down to that and serve that and put my trust in that. And God says, no, you can't serve that in me as well. He says, I'll provide your needs and your desires and for the greater work, but you serve me. Because what? Because God is able. He's able. So we put our trust in God. Lord, I believe that next week you're not going to fall off your throne and things are going to be okay. It's all going to be good, no matter what the economy does. 
And you're not going to provide my needs only, but also my desires and what you put in my heart. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. This is God providing our needs, basically. Seed to the sower. Not the keeper, the sower. So a farmer has a sack of seed. He can grind the whole thing up and eat and hope somebody gives him another sack for food tomorrow. Or he can grind half of it up, eat it, and sow the other half and be even better off in the days ahead as this harvest comes forth. God's talking about investing in his work. Now, it's one thing to invest your money in worldly stuff, and we do that too. You have to be a wise steward over that and hope the interest rates do well and all this, and it's always a challenge. That's one thing. But to invest it in God's greater work, there's no set interest rates or anything. It's just kind of like, I don't see it anymore. That's the challenge, isn't it? That's the faith part that we're talking about. The, the, and the trust that according to God's word, I'm sowing and something greater is going to happen. The Bible calls that sowing to every good work. It's investing in the kingdom of God. Some of our feet, seeds for bread, some's for sowing. Now, I'll wrap this up by giving you three simple uh, principles about sowing. They'll be short, but these are totally in the scriptures. Here they are. You reap what you sow. Everybody get that? You sow corn, you're not going to reap wheat. You sow rice, you're not going to reap apples. You sow, you reap what you sow. Uh, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Simple law of nature. If you sow money, what are you going to reap? Money. Did he say money? Yes, I did. Money is kind of what God uses to further his kingdom as well. I know the world does stuff with it, and he uses money to grow us. But the principle of God is if you sow apples, you're going to get apples. Sow money, you'll get money. You sow oranges, you get oranges. Currency is what's required to live by. God uses it as well. You sow that, you'll reap it. Talking about the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Two reasons why people don't reap well when it comes to finance is because they haven't sown consistently and they haven't, well, they've sown sparingly. And therefore, you get the same results. God says, so bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. That's through the understanding of God's word. Now, Proverbs 11, 24 says it this way. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So this principle is all through the scriptures. Okay, you ready for the second one? You reap after you sow. I'm telling you, you got to get this because I know these are simple, but one day, some people say, one day, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a lot of money, and then I'll get a lot of money, and then I'll give a lot of money. Well, that's silly. It's like the farmer standing in the field. He hasn't sown one seed. He hasn't planted anything, and he's waiting for his harvest. You know, he's going to be there all day. That's just foolish. He'll be there for years. Nothing's going to happen but weeds. If you ask the farmer, hey, have you sowed anything today? Nope, sure haven't. But I'll tell you what, I'm expecting a harvest. I'll tell you what, once I get that harvest, man, I'm going to start sowing. That's silly. He'll never start sowing or giving. You sow, then you reap. Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't have a whole lot to give. Well, that's what's so great about God. Um, remember, the widow gave two mites, like two pennies, out of a pure heart. It's not about amount. That's not even it. It's about obedience and sacrifice. That's what it's about. 
You don't have a lot. You just start where you're at. And when you start where you're at, you sow, and the principle kicks in. And after you sow, you're going to reap. And then you'll reap more than you've sown. So you get to sow more. It's amazing how this works. You know, people say it takes money to make money. I guess that's probably true. Uh, but um, it, it's true also that it takes corn to make corn. And it takes wheat to make wheat, right? <laughs> so you got to have something to plant. If you don't have a lot, then you just plant a little bit, and then you'll get more back. Then, then you got to be faithful to sow more and continue to grow. Are you ready for the last principle? It's super simple, man. Here we go. You reap more than you sow. That's just good, generous, amazing God. Real simple. Two kernels of corn produce one stalk. And on that one stalk, you could have three, two, four ears of corn, and each ear of corn has 1,200 to 1,600 kernels. How many know that God is an amazing multiplier? It's just, he just, this is what he does in our lives. He's just so generous and so good. I'll have the worship team make their way out. So it's like God gives us these natural illustrations all around earth. <laughs> Even in the valley here with our potatoes out back, producing over 10,000 pounds of potatoes. Amazing. So we can understand what he's trying to tell us spiritually. It takes faith. We plant in faith because God is able. The greater work and you reap. That's what sowing and reaping is all about. The harvest is completely dependent upon you sowing. This is what, where we started. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. Uh, I'm going to finish with this one little story. I think I've told this maybe before a long time ago, but most of you might have even heard it. If you have, you get to hear it again. But when we were in California at church there, uh, we met this family that was going to church. They were dairy farmers. And he was an older gentleman by then, him and his wife. And uh, immediate respect. You know when you, you, when you meet somebody and you just kind of go, command is, commands respect. Just because character, integrity, hardworking, uh, generous, loving. You, it, they just kind of radiate this stuff. And you just, they just automatically have influence. You just kind of want to sit at their feet. You know what I'm saying? You ever been there? Kind of like one of those guys. Yet, down-to-earth, totally approachable, loving, amazing. Whole family. And he, I heard his story finally one day, because I didn't know about this guy. I just knew that he was a dairy farmer, and he was really generous, and he just was amazing. Well, he said years ago, when he was just a teenager, he had a real desire to be a missionary. But he had a desire that was greater, and he felt guilty for it. He said, but I have a real desire to be a dairy farmer. Do you know who God, who put that in his heart to be a dairy farmer? God did. And one day he had a conversation with God. I don't know how that played out. But basically what happened was God affirmed him and said, look, I put that desire for you to be a dairy farmer in your heart for a reason. Now you could go to the mission field and you could be one of many missionaries on that field. Or you could be the dairy farmer and you could supply thousands of missionaries on the field. You can provide. Boy, something ignited in him when he got that. He thought, yes. And he began to pursue his dream for his future, his desire to be a dairy farmer. He grew this amazing, massive dairy farm. And this guy was giving thousands yearly to Bible college, to church, to missionaries all over the place, living the dream. And God was fulfilling it through him. 
So powerful. Isn't that amazing? But this is how it started. He had this dream, and he didn't have anything. They weren't real rich. They, they did, you know, he, he would tithe. He was faithful. But he began to give the Lord $2 a month. And believe me, back then, that was a lot of money. But he says, Lord, I'm committing $2 a month to this dream, this desire, and I'm just going to trust you. And that's where it all began, and God just began to bless him. And now thousands was going out a month. Pretty amazing. Now his son, he's since gone to heaven, and his son now has children and has continued his legacy, and he continues to expand the dairy farm, and he continues to pour out generosity. Isn't it amazing that when one generation does, the next generation will do an excess? Now, that will either go towards sin and unrighteousness, or it will go in righteousness and to the glory of God. And now his son is even doing it in excess as a generosity. It's just powerful. And his children will do the same thing. Let's stand together. I wonder what desire God has put in your heart. And it's okay to trust him for it. And begin to sow into it. Thank you, Lord. Let's just take a moment here. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. I believe you're really speaking to hearts. I believe you really want to grow us continually in this area. Lord, we are blessed. I know we are blessed with a very generous congregation here. People here get it. But Lord, we want to be those people that are abounding. We are abounding because you're able. We're quick to obey. I pray you'll continue to enlarge our ability in every way. Like those Macedonians, Lord, they gave out of their poverty. And it was mind-blowing what they did. Lord, we want to we be the kind of mind-blowing church, Lord, marked with a spirit of generosity. And Lord, whatever desires we have out here, Lord, you're putting in our hearts, I'm so grateful for those desires you put in us. And I thank you that they're godly desires. And I pray that we'll begin to see those desires and dreams come into fruition. We'll see the reality of them beginning to happen like we've never had before as we obey you and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.